The temperature is nice and warm in the Boiling Point Podcast studio, so come on in, get cozy, and let's enjoy the conversation. We empower leaders through thoughtful discussions to positively impact our world. Our host, Dave Vale, founder and CEO of Vision Coaching, Inc., is highlighting how we can thrive in business communities. Our conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, and inspirational storytellers are shining a spotlight on empowerment. Joining Dave this week is our special guest host, Emily Roger. Let's join the conversation with Dave and Emily. I'm back with uh, a new co-host who was in our last episode was our guest. She's been a guest before, Emily Roger, not Rogers, um, who's got this brilliant story. If you have not listened to uh, her story, um, I really encourage you to listen to the podcast uh, we did where we, David Savoie, other co-guest hosts, and I interviewed you, Emily. I'm looking across at you right now because we know. are actually across from <laughs> each other and we're in the same room, properly socially distanced. We're going to bring our guest in in a second. Um, but well, so how are you feeling about being a co-host? I'm excited about this because I absolutely love Dave's album and uh, I like I'll try and give you space and not take over the whole show, no, but can... I have so many things that I want to talk to him about. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I know. Well, it's okay. So so let's bring him in then. Um, Dave Carroll, welcome back. You've been with us before. I have, and it's uh, great to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. And you know, you, so, so Dave's got this, uh, for anyone that doesn't know him, we'll let him share this, this, the kind of the, the backstory. I mean, there's a whole bunch of backstories, but, but I mean, probably how you're best known Dave in a, in a moment. Um, but I, but another way you're known to me is, um, is some of the work you're doing and you and I were the two Dave's in with the group, um, that's known as the Wallace McCain. Um, I don't know what it stands for. SEP. Hmm. What does that stand for? Um, uh... executive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it used to be called Two IC, which was second in command or whatever. But it, right, it's, right. it's a kinder, gentler. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So it's it's, they, it's a peer group. They get together. Um, there's there's a number of them, and they're self moderating. And then, unbeknownst to both of us, they invited us to be in different parts of their day. And and all I can tell you, Emily, is I thought, oh man, I got to go ahead of Dave. That's probably better than going after him because uh, you know let's put a little pressure on me. So um, so and I and I don't know if you want to talk about that work later as well. But, but why don't you introduce yourself to uh, Emily and and to the guests uh, or sorry to the listeners? Um, you know who who's Dave. Well, I'm a singer songwriter, but I consider myself a storyteller more than anything else. And I've been doing that for over 30 years. Uh, the first 20 years of my career was with my brother, Don, in a band called Sons of Maxwell. And we played many times in St. John and O'Leary's over the year with Brent Mason and, uh, and that ilk. And uh, we traveled all over the world doing that for a while. And then uh, when an airline broke my guitar in 2008, uh, I wrote a song about it when social media was just becoming this thing. And United Breaks Guitars is the song that I wrote, and it went viral at a time when uh, it was it was a new and exciting thing, and and it opened up all these other doors that allowed me to become a speaker and an author. And I've traveled to I think it's thirty four countries now, telling my story about customer service and branding and um, social media, and the importance of storytelling to whoever will listen to it. And uh, it's it's uh, been probably the I called my company that I started after that happened, Big Break Enterprises, because it was probably the, the biggest break uh, uh, anyone could have in a career like mine. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. So 
like that isn't have you have you heard of this this story you, you i know have this story right yeah it's, yeah i find it fascinating and because emily's got a similar story that we she just shared with us about um you know putting something out there that's gone viral maybe in a different way um what what did what exactly what do you think resonated about that particular story about having a, a broken guitar dave well i've had uh, over 10 years to talk to people and think about it. And, uh, and I think at the beginning, it had to do with the fact that everyone had had a bad airline experience. So people have had things that gotten broken. And uh, it's, it's the feeling that goes along with it, that feeling of I wasn't respected, somebody I entrusted my stuff to somebody else, and someone didn't respect it. And that's universal. And so it ended up becoming a, a water cooler conversation starter for people around the world. It wasn't so much about me and this story that people were talking about. It was the entryway to share a story of their own. And, um, and it was the early days for social media monitoring and social media for that matter. So uh, it was kind of groundbreaking at the time in that sense too. Well, like, and for, you know, like what was the, like how many, you know, just all, all these people are curious about like how many views or hits or whatever the metric is like, what, what kind of, when we said it went viral, like what, what was the response like? In the well, today it sits at uh, about 21 million, which uh, is a big number. But there are videos with much bigger numbers now. But uh, I, my goal was to get a million views with all three videos I promised because I promised United a trilogy of songs, and I thought I might need a year to get a million and uh, with all three combined. But I ended up getting a million in four days, and so that became uh, a million was a big number in a, in a short number of days at the time. So it became a new story for that which fueled the count as well. And it probably got to, uh, I think, seven or eight million by the second week. And then it sort of slowed down and, and just has been going up for the last 10 years. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Oh, man, it's awesome. So what, Emily, over to you. How does it can you tell me a little bit about compassionate design, actually, and how that all ties into where that kind of came into play with this? Yeah, so um I've always been trying to write songs, I think, uh, from the heart to the heart of other people. And so there's been a certain amount of that as the storyteller side. Uh, I prefer I prefer moving people with my music in a positive way and uh, and make them feel something. Uh, and uh, so United Breaks Guitar has happened and I started speaking. And initially in the first couple of years, for sure, I, I didn't really understand what was why it was popular, or what it meant. I would finish my talks t saying that the big lesson was that we're all connected. And I believe that through music, I'd known it for a long time. And uh, that seemed to be enough. But then I started thinking, if we are all fundamentally connected with one another, then maybe we have a fundamental obligation to do something about that too. And so maybe there was something more to look at. And it occurred to me that uh, uh, in all the businesses I was talking to and in music and in life and all of our interactions, uh, compassion's missing a lot. And it's the it's free and and it's contagious. Compassion is free and contagious, and it's basically a very simple idea that uh, uh, compassion is the deep awareness of the suffering of another and the willingness to alleviate it. So it's only got really two two components, and they're easy to follow. You have to be able to see a problem, and you have to be motivated or empower other people to make that problem go away. And so that has applications in your personal life, and it has applications in any businesses. Uh, life because businesses are looking for ways to improve themselves without costing them anything. And that's kind of free. And uh, so I developed a program called uh, compassionate design, which is it's just simple ideas that uh, punch above their weight if they're executed and compassionate design has sort of three tenants to it. And 
The first is to love and respect yourself and appreciate what you bring to the party in any situation you, because we all have a story to tell. We all have skills. And uh, I believe that the thing that holds most people back in the world is some sort of uh, undervaluing of what you bring to the world. And if you really knew who you were and what you were capable of, you would love and respect yourself more and you would achieve great things. So that's the first one. The second one is with everybody that you meet, also appreciate that they have a unique story and they have a, a superpower that you might not have and get, get curious about that. Uh, so you, appreciating other people is the second one. And the third one is to understand that, uh, going back to where I was at the beginning, that we all have more in common that we don't. And so if you believe that, uh, then you should be able to look at everybody you meet and find some aspect of yourself in them. And if you love and respect yourself, first of all, then you will be able to find that part of yourself in somebody else and find something to love and respect in another person. And that to me seems like a great recipe to start any relationship uh, and to me, compassionate design is applicable as a songwriter in front of an audience to learn about who they are and share some stories that resonate with them. But it's also for the world's biggest companies to try and respect and understand and appreciate the, the employees they have. So it's powerful sauce that, uh, that uh, it brings with it. Amen. Yeah, I love that. And um, Dave, I will say when I was, I'm very selective in what I listen to and what type of music I listen to because like lyrics are so powerful and what we say is so powerful and what we listen to and every one of your songs on your new album, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. I, Oh, I love them so much. And, um, you know, you speaking about, you know, contagious is, uh, your first song on your album. It's like, if that is not contagious to get somebody like up and dancing, or at least like tapping your toe and wanting to <laughs> sing along. <laughs> like... I pray. Yeah. 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 That, that song, uh, the song is called, are you ready? Uh, that, that was just a last minute edition. It, it was written and recorded two weeks before it went to, to the, the, the uh, manufacturer and, and had it all mastered because I had listened. I'd had all, some of these songs were around for seven years, and um, and the album overall seemed to be lacking just a little bit of energy. I want to maybe I could put something out that would uh, kickstart the record, give it a sort of a adrenaline shot, and make up for some of the softer songs and just balance it out a little bit. And that was uh, written in like in an afternoon and recorded uh, a demo the next day final session the next week and there we were and, and it's awesome when that happens sometimes is that like i'm not um I, I enjoy music i'm not musical myself um and and i'm i'm so interested in in that the whole process of songwriting but i want to hear that you know like this last minute edition is that something that happens very often not to me uh i i tend to take a longer time and after i did it and after i heard i was that's one of my favorite songs on the record too. And it's like, why didn't I do that more often? <laughs> you know, that, that would be nice if you could just decide like that happened. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write a higher energy song that will be the, the standout uh, in some ways among the whole collection. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it boils down to, I think being more intentional and just uh, I'm we, deadline, deadline driven and that sort of thing. I was just thinking we should probably give, like, do you want to introduce the album and, and, and talk, tell when it's been released and, and where to get it, that sort of thing, Dave? Yeah, sure. Uh, the CD is called Until One Day, and it's my third solo 
release. It's got 11 original songs on it. You can buy it on my website. Uh, my mother will mail it to you. She still does all of our mail order. And if you want the physical, if you want to buy the digital from my site, you can do that. But you can also purchase it on iTunes and stream it on iTunes and Spotify and even YouTube, I believe. So it's, uh, it seems to be available everywhere. What's your website, Dave? DaveCarrollMusic.com. Perfect. You have to say the music part. There's a guy, uh, there's many Dave Carrolls. And all, all myself and all the other Dave Carrolls are looking to uh, eliminate the UK Dave Carroll who's got DaveCarroll.com. But until then, you got to say DaveCarrollMusic.com. Well, can you imagine being one of the other Dave Carrolls, not this Dave Carroll? Like with, with, with all your, you know, the internet sensation you've been, like everyone's probably just like can't even get noticed out there in Google and sort of and all that sort of thing. You had another question. I, you had, and I got to say, Dave, Emily is, she's prepared. Like, and I can, just like, I love your, I love your music and I'm so excited about your book. It's like everything that you are doing are all things that I just love. And uh, I, I, yeah, I could have like six hours sitting here talking to you and your album, like your last song. So you saying how starting off your album with that upbeat song and that yeah. I think ends up is let your heart shine bright. Is that the last song on it? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you know, the kid song, uh, this little light of mine, are you familiar with that song? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is like an adult version now <laughs> of that song in some way. It's, uh, it's so beautiful. And just the message that is, um, that's behind it. I'm curious the song, the giant. Yep. What is, what's that about? So that's, that's probably one of my favorites or meaningful, most meaningful songs on the record. And uh i've got two boys actually my son flynn is on the cover i took that picture and that's my son flynn and our dog and uh he's he's a typical boy i think and i wrote that song probably three or four years ago and uh, i wrote it with him in mind because as a dad you want your kids to thrive and and uh, be happy all the time and of course they're not and i heard him uh saying some negative self-talk just typical stuff nothing groundbreaking but uh it occurred to me, like I started being a dad a little later. I was 40 when, uh, when he was born. And, uh, so I thought the, at the time, the biggest gift a parent could give their kid, uh, would be to make sure they knew they were unconditionally loved by at least two people, their mom and dad. And, uh, but then it, I'm aware that I started late and there will, if it goes as planned, uh, as I hope it does, there will be a section of his life where I'm not around. And I would hate if the only people he knew loved him were not there. And so I figured, um, uh, the the next evolution of the thinking is the best give you best gift you can give your child is to help them love themselves and if you can help them do that then they're set for life because no matter where they go they they've got somebody that loves them and so the song the giant is about uh uh growth i think and how people who finally get fully actualized through life maybe they start uh recognizing that they have a giant in them and then they grow up and they they know the giant in them. And then ultimately it fully realized uh, they recognize they are the giant and they always have been the giant. And uh, so Marianne Williamson wrote a great poem about that. Like if you knew who you really were, that sort of thing. And I, that may have had an influence on the song, but the message is, is the same. And uh, uh, the whole way the song came out and the, the we have a string quartet playing on it, real, real musicians playing stringed instruments and it was arranged by a professional. And that sort of thing. The song, I think, uh, 
it impacted me when I first heard it and I, I wrote it and I was there the whole time and I, and I'm hearing from other people that it had a strong impact on them as well. What was the impact it had on you, Emily? Yeah, it, um, you know, you were, you were speaking earlier when I was asking about compassionate design, about how we don't really realize the impact that we are capable of having sometimes. And, uh, that was the message that I got from it, from listening to that. But, um, yeah, and I think it's something that you can listen to it over and over again, depending on what kind of headspace you're in that day and possibly get a different message or a different kind of self-interpretation of it. But it uh, it was one of those ones that it like, it stirred up some sort of emotion in me that I was like, oh, yeah, this is powerful. Yeah, I find um, the my favorite songs that I've written are the ones that I had something very specific in mind when I when I wrote it but the way that it ends up uh can take on another meaning or apply uh in a powerful way to somebody else from a completely different perspective it's nice when you have a message that is kind of universal and you see it one way but it it has another thing so for for that one i ended up uh thinking i was writing it for my son but after i finally it was what was until i was finally done and i'm listening to the whole thing and i realized it was as much for me as it was for for him and uh if you're religious, maybe maybe people think of it as that's a message from God talking to you, right? It, it's how it depends on how you receive it, and uh, yeah, it's a nice one that works in different different ways. Do, do you find your um, uh, you talk about being a father a little later in your in your uh, life? I can relate to that. <laughs> um, uh, I was our last child was born when I was forty five. Um, it was uh, a, a very beautiful surprise, um, not uh, very unexpected. And I, I guess my other kids would be a few years older, but it was late thirties, essentially. Um, do you, is it like, is that new sources of inspiration for you, Dave, you know, being, you know, like having, having children and seeing, um, the struggles that they're up against and, and watching that and, and knowing, you know, you got to let them learn their lessons or I'm kind of projecting my, what I feel is important in, in parenting, but, but also wanting to, you know, try not to save them, wanting them to grow, but also wanting them to know you unconditionally love them. Um, yeah. Uh, how, how that impacts, you know, how you're showing up in your business and, and in your speaking and in your songwriting and, 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 and all the other, all the other mediums. Yeah. I think uh, I share your, your vision of all that, I um, it definitely affects what you can do. Uh, I'm a I'm a big believer in family and that sort of thing. So my days of going on the road for weeks at a time are are done. I'm not doing that anymore. So it affects how I roll out my my business life, and I do try and be around every evening, shut things off at least between supper time and when they go to bed, and and uh, and very much uh, our conversations and. The interactions they've influenced me in a ton of different ways the my book tom the tomato plant uh that we'll probably talk about in a bit uh that was totally inspired because i was lying down with with the boys and riffing stories off the top of my head which uh many times because kids are brutally honest they'd say dad that story sucks but uh i did this one about this tomato plant named tom and they were both sort of into it and they're like dad okay that's a pretty good story <laughs> and, and so that's the reason it's it's a real thing right now and uh and yeah Okay, I want to get into that. I just want to share, but I love how honest kids are, right? Like that's right. They're so like just brutally honest, like um and, and loving and all these things. And um, and I was helping coach my son's hockey team a number of years ago. 
And I was, I'm only interested in being kind of like an assistant coach. And it's a hard thing, coaching kids, a lot of time. And I just, you know, all, all respect to people to go out there and give their time and volunteer for kids. It's amazing what they do. Um, so uh, this coach was give these fiery speeches, you know, before the game and stuff. And, and he'd use, and he usually like at the last minute say, what do you got to say? Mr. And he, he would always, we're Mr. Vale and Mr. Whoever. Right. And uh, anyways, I was <laughs> a little caught off guard the first few times. So then I started practicing, you know, getting ready for something and <laughs> to give my own fiery speech. And, and my, my son came up, he goes, dad, can you just not say anything in the future? <laughs> like he goes, because you got serious motivation issues, like in terms of motivating others, you know. What I mean? <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, stick to the pylon drills, yeah, Dad. Like, yeah, just just go shag fox kind of thing, right? And I was like, wow, but it, but it was true because I looked around and all the kids were just kind of <laughs> like sagging a little bit. So um, I love that. But um, the book, let's, let's, I mean, what a what a what an interesting thing to do. Now there, yeah, let's see there that. it is, Tom the tomato plant. Can you talk, Dave, so we can, while you have that up, so you're in the big screen? Yeah, so this is called Tom the Tomato Plant, and this is my only version. This is the prototype. The rest are being shipped right now, so I'm hoping to get them sooner than later, but uh, it's in the supply chain's hands, supply chain God's hands. But uh, yeah, so the, I, I wrote the story here. It's a 1,200-word story about uh, compassion and resilience and uh, helping other people out and, and helping them become their best selves because you get rewarded in the end by that. And we did talk about the giant. I put, uh, because it aligns so well with the story, I, I had it charted and it sits at the back of, uh, of the story and there's a QR code that you can uh, grab your phone and, and go get the song. So this book actually has its own soundtrack, which I think is kind of unique and, awesome. and it, and it helps reflect on the different things I do and, and uh, hopefully, generate some interest in the the other things well and it's so many of your messages that you are teaching through through your songs through your public speaking and to now be able to tap into this these young minds these young readers and start um, planting those tomato seeds in them of what compassion is really about yeah and the the thing i like about uh again the, i think the story is it's written for kids but there's something in it for people of all ages as well. Uh, just a little reminder, it's not going to teach anybody anything, but it's a, maybe just point in the direction of being more compassionate and intentional. And, uh, and so in my business talks, I talk about the power of story, that storytelling is a superpower, that we have the ability to change people's lives and um, with, with a heartfelt story, and that I can use this as a business parable, just to talk if, if it's about employees it could be about giving your employees everything they need to become the very best they can be. Um, and the, the rewards that come from resilience and all of that stuff too. So uh, I intend to use it in my business talks as a, as a business parable, but it's written uh, with kids in mind. I think a lot of children's books can be so when they can be used so powerfully, like we were talking about Emily's going through um, real roads program and i'm sure they've had they've referenced dr zeus or some mm. right uh, the places you will go yeah is that you know which is just it's just such an uh, it's good it doesn't matter how it's 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 for it's ageless it's classic it's it doesn't apply to any, any particular time um 
uh, would you agree with that? I would. I, um, there's a, a book that my grade two teacher gave me called the little engine that could better oh, yeah. train. And that book has stuck with me. And, um, a friend of my mom's actually mailed me a version of the book a couple wow. months ago. And it is, it's timeless. Like this message of turning what we think into, no, I can do this. I know I can do this. And these messages that really do stick with us and then being able to have the visual cues that go along with it that are a part of the storybook is yeah it just adds to it are you able to go on tour with your new album i know i just totally kind of switched things there but we're allowed to do that you're the coolest <laughs> you can do whatever you want yeah uh i i am allowed i think uh, i've been playing a, a little bit i'm right in the process now trying to organize a tour of uh theaters here in nova scotia and uh so i'm pushing that out because i don't there's too much uncertainty to put that kind of energy into the next couple of weeks and they're booked anyway or closed yet still uh so it's in march and uh, i've got three three theaters uh confirmed and trying to maybe get six or seven uh shows and and uh yeah to be to really put some energy behind the until one day cd who are the, like, in, in terms of your um, business talks and that sort of thing, like, who are the clients who you're trying to attract? Like, who who's, um, do you feel is most receptive to your, to your message, Dave? It's been, it's been pretty cool. And it's, and it sounds like I'm trying to be all things to all people, but I, I believe everybody can get into the story that I tell. And uh, I'm, I'm not the charts and graphs guy. So I'm I'm typically used as an opening speaker or a closing speaker at a multi-day event. Or um, I think I think I surprise some people when I come in because they think it's going to be pure entertainment. This is the guy who took down an airline. He got mad at them and he destroyed them. And and that's not the way I approach it. I tell the story as it happened, but I hope to leave them with this idea that it's a brand building opportunity and it's if we were nicer to each other, we could uh, achieve so much more and that sort of thing. So I, I think people. Uh, uh, sometimes get more than what they bargained for, or I hope that's what they get. But uh, the the most interesting uh, uh, difference between audiences happened one week where I spoke to the board of directors of Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. So some of the biggest people uh, managing some giant brands are in this room, about uh, 12 people. And then the next day I went to Fredericton to Park Street School and I spoke to kindergarten kids and, and uh, the low grades. And I gave the exact same presentation. It was the exact one. Like, and uh, it hit the same way because, and, and you can do this because if you speak from the heart to the heart, kids have fully developed hearts when they're born, right? But their brains are a little slow. So don't speak, you can't speak to the brain, but if you speak from the heart to the heart, uh, they're the same, whether you're five or 50. And so uh, it, you can reach people in a meaningful way. And that's, and that's where the meaning happens anyway. If you try and give people too many uh, charts and data and graphs, they fall asleep or uh, they only use it for that one little sliver of information. But if you're if you're giving a lesson, you're making somebody feel better about themselves or changing their ideas about something in a positive way that uh, that can be done to any age. And because uh, it's a feeling and kids like we you sort of mentioned, they're brutally honest and they get it right away. And uh, and yeah, that's why they're a good sounding board, too. Who was more interactive, the the Park Street School or the Royal Caribbean? Yeah, not to take anything away from the board of directors, but they were a lot more reserved than the uh, Park Street's kids. So, and isn't that interesting, though, like, you know, because they were once kids and they would probably would have been more responsive in, in an environment, you know, that you met the other kids in. 
you know, years ago, but there's something about, uh, you know, the process of as getting older and we're, we get more serious or something, you know, like it's, it's this really odd thing that happens, unfortunately, not for everyone, but, but I find in corporate settings, you know, you, you see a lot of that. Um, would you agree with that, Dave? Have you, have you noticed that? Yep, uh, for sure. And, and there's careers and certain career paths that are more exciting or more fun than others. I remember when Don and I used to play corporate events, we had a, another uh, side A-B comparison and we played the same venue at a convention hall two nights in a row, two s- totally separate conventions. One was for nurses and one was for accountants. And we did this exact same show, totally different evening, right? The nurses were fun. They were dancing and the accountants were sort of sitting there and they were very reserved. And uh, and yeah, it all depends on the night and who's in the room, right? Yeah. And how much alcohol is flowing. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I also wonder too, with the, with the group of, of the staff from the Royal Caribbean, how many questions that might have been similar to the ones that the Park Street students asked, were they wondering about or curious about, but just didn't pipe up and ask for fear of whatever? That's a really good question because um, it's it's like with computers, right? Uh, kids take to computers; they just assume they 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 don't know what they need to do, but they just jump in and they learn it almost immediately. But at my age, I come in with this uh, belief that I'm not going to get through the first two layers of something. I'm not going to understand it, and uh, and I get jammed up almost right away. And so for those two two gigs. Uh, the kids didn't really care about the impact of anything. They just said, that's cool. You made a song. You wanted to do a song and you did a song and it got really popular and you're on YouTube and, and that sort of thing. And the Royal Caribbean uh, uh, guys, they, they weren't sure if it was relevant. Uh, one, one gentleman in particular, he was in the oil business and uh, surprised me. He, he didn't think social media was that important to his business. And I said, what do you do? And he says, I move oil around the world. And I said, like, if, you, if another Exxon Valdez happened, everyone in the world would know your name tomorrow and you have to have a social media strategy to handle that. But uh, he didn't quite get that from the story. And uh, so that was, his, I think his, he maybe had some blind spots, right? Mm. As we all do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And covering those on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. So um, this, you know, compassionate design, and um, I was listening to a podcast, and and was, um, the guest, I, I can't remember who it was now, was saying he thinks there's a, an empathy gap in the world today, and I, I, I kind of, I actually, I think it's a compassionate gap. You know, there's there's people talking at each other, but not like, and both of you have leveraged. Uh, Emily's got a great story, Dave, a very recent story about sharing. Um, 
you know, authentically sharing something she was going through, missing her front tooth, um, that that has over close to two million views right now, and you know was stuck for for no other reason than she just, um, you know, I think was being compassionate with herself and mm-hmm. said, you know what, this is something I should share. Maybe this will help someone else. She'll 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 express it, and 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 we we did we did um, determine that if you Google Emily Roger front tooth, right? Genevieve, it will, you, you can see all, you know, what's happened there. Um, but similar to you, but this whole idea, yeah, but this whole idea of um, um, this gap, or do you guys, are you guys feeling that as well? Like, this seems like, like, there's a lot of conversations that are happening in the world today. And they seem to be so polarized, mm. you know, that they, they're just like ta- shouting at each other, not talking with each other, not listening to understand, you know what I mean? And, mm. uh, and I find it really, um, deflating. And it's like, it almost like drains my tank a little bit. And I have to be, I've learned, I've learned that, um, as recent, you know, it just, again, it happened today. Um, you know, I gotta be careful how much I listen to CBC It's a, you know, it's a great place source of news, but it's really, everything is quite negative, you know? Um, and, you know, and it's just, but, but going back to this idea of a, a gap in compassion, do you guys, are you guys noticing that in, in the world in terms of how we're communicating or is it, or maybe is it just being reported that way? Emily, you go first. I would say that, uh, you know, for me, and I think especially during this pandemic is having a greater understanding of what the differences are between empathy, sympathy, compassion, and that, that part of, um, being able to take what it is that we're feeling and then turn it into something so that we're not just kind of getting stuck in that, in that sympathy. But I think in my perspective and in my kind of world that there is a change that people are becoming more compassionate and more open to hearing other people's, I know it's, there's a very kind of polar opposite side of that. And maybe that's just kind of who I choose to interact with about those things, but there's definitely a a, a lot of turmoil and a lot of pushback in the opposite way as well. How about you, Dave? I would, I would agree with you a hundred percent. I don't think the world's ever been this polarized. And I think, uh, polarization is the biggest threat facing humanity right now that it's it, i don't take it lightly at all it's i think it it eclipses climate change and and everything else because if people could come together and stay a little closer to the center um and not not to give up on the views that you have but to get close enough to uh opposite views you know be a little bit right or a little bit left but you can't you can't even hear the right or the left if you're at the extreme and uh that's that makes for dangerous times because people at the extreme say and do extreme things and uh there's no one there to moderate them because they they can't hear it and um so uh the answer i i also agree with what you said emily that there are more people i think that are waking up i think i'm one of them that understands i have the potential to be extreme right or extreme left if i hang out with those people too often so i've chained myself to the center knowing that I, I lean one way slightly more or, or the other, but uh, I intentionally try to be compassionate and that means actively do something to change it. And I see the distinction, like you just said as well, the big distinction between empathy and compassion. Empathy to me is a good stepping stone towards compassion, but it doesn't obligate people to do anything about it. It just, uh, it just maybe takes the place of understanding. So I won't get mad at you if you say something to offend me because I'm going to understand you had a bad day or you're going through something. And if it ends there, then that's not compassion, right? I have to 
maybe reach out and find out how I can help you feel better. So you don't say the things that uh, offend me and I maybe need to understand I've got my own blind spots or, or predispositions that I got to get in check too. Yeah. Your line in the song, when the world stops ending about helping each other without keeping score, mm. that was a, a real um, eye opener and something for myself that I'm constantly kind of checking in on of like, yeah, how are we just kind of putting ourselves out there, helping one another? And and this thing of so often, especially with corporations or kind of larger, broader scale things of this thing of, well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And, and to, to what you said, Dave, about about kids, right? They That sort of line was informed by my kids just in making ice cream cones for them, right? If If there's only one ice cream, one kid, I give it to them. Doesn't matter what size, they're grateful. If I take, they're both there. The first one is is or the second one's judging the size of the first kid's cone, and then you got to fight in your hands if they're not exactly the same, right? It could be a giant cone, but if another one had a more giant cone, we got a problem on our hands. And uh, so people are spending a lot of time looking over their shoulder rather than uh, totally. It, well, and that's part of human nature, right? That's you know, and 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 when you when you run across a person who's not that way, it's pretty. In fact, our our middle daughter Bryn. Um, uh, we often wonder, we got these two redheads, fiery tempers and, you know, very passionate and, and Bryn is in her own way, um, uh, uh, this golden blonde hair. Um, and she's just, you know, comes home and she will say, you know, oh, so-and-so didn't want to talk to me, but, you know, this is maybe not now, but when she was younger, um, she would say, but, you know, they probably need to spend time with someone else. And we're just like, what did you <laughs> like, <laughs> who's, who are your real parents? <laughs> The other two kids are not like this. So she would she wouldn't care as much about the but the other two are quick are you know are, are looking very closely at how big the ice cream cone is. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I was just gonna I was thinking about um, this idea of and I know we're, we're we're kind of towards the end here. Um, and like Emily, I think I feel the same way. We could we could do it, go on and go on. You know, we could have like a three hour Joe Rogan style podcast. Maybe not exactly like him, but but in the length, right? Um, yeah. This the uh, thank you for the 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 distinction both of you you know in terms of empathy and compassion and sympathy as an example and there's a great article I read once about the failure of empathy and I think it highlights what you said Dave and it really struck me at the time because I I guess maybe I was probably using them interchangeably mm. and um, and in fact I you know we came up with a vision statement about a world that is transform that uh, a world that is transformed by resilient. Um, com- compassionate and creative leadership, and it was compassionate was used um, for the exact for what we're descri- you know describing right here, or discussing right here. Um, so, you know, if someone's on this journey, do you guys have uh, any recommendations in terms of reading or podcasts? Or I mean, well, clearly we got some music and, and a really good book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything else? Uh, I've I've been influenced. Uh maybe uh 2006 or 7 i, I read uh, wayne dyer's the power of intention that was a great book that talked talked about as the title says about being intentional in what you're doing and how the ripple effects of that lead which led me to the power of now by eckhart tolle and uh i ended up writing a song about that that almost got on oprah back in 2008 and uh talk about ripple and and, and effect and uh uh that some people say that's probably the the best song I've written in their opinion and sometimes. And so those, those are classic books. You can always go back to those ones and it'll, uh, if you spend the time on them and contemplate on what you're reading, it'd probably change your life. 
Any for you, Emily? No, nothing in particular that's coming up. Like when you first mentioned that, it was it was like, well, it's all in Dave's songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to clone you. We need to clone Emily and uh, and yes. yeah. For the for Tom, the tomato plant. Do you already have a? Have your kids given you the go ahead for any other bright stories that you have, or is this is this the only one so far that your kids were like, yeah, this might have legs? They uh, there. So this there's a picture in there of uh, them growing some some vegetables on our deck, which is in the the same deck that's in the book. So I put that picture in there, and and uh, they both are mortified that I put that picture in because one is wearing a Minecraft hat, and he's like, Dad, no one's wearing Minecraft hats anymore. And uh, so they're they're not giving up any ideas now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they're they'll you have to contact their lawyer first. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know what uh, those both those books were really um uh, really struck me it resonated with me I guess Dave, um and the other one and you know there's this idea that um sometimes a book finds you mm. uh, and I was in I was in Hong Kong at a uh, just traveling through on my way to Thailand at a at a you know kind of a uh, you know, a tough stretch in my life, maybe. And, and, and I wouldn't be a guy that would just grab any book, but I was walking by and this, this book, yellow, beautiful yellow book with this beautiful face smiling at me was like staring at me. And, and, it, and I grabbed it and it was the art of happiness by the Dalai Lama. And it's beautiful, man. And it's just, it really, um, you know, uh, and the reason I bring it up is, is help me understand compassion in a, in a completely different way. Um, and I'm so, I'm so glad I stopped, right. You know, on my hustle to, to catch the next flight to wherever I was headed, but, um, but it's, it's a really powerful read. So we're at the end. Like we said, we could go on and on. Um, Dave, big thanks for, for, you know, to, for reaching out and, uh, and just saying, Hey, I've got some, some things I want to share. Um, how do people, I mean, I guess you, you've mentioned it before, but, um, about, you know, where they can find books and, and, uh, I love that your mom is, is actually sending CDs and that kind of thing. So there's extra incentive, I would think, um, uh, in terms of what you're doing in terms of your business, um, is there any other places people can find you? Uh, I try to get people to go everything to, uh, davecarrollmusic.com. And so that's, that's where anything to do with speaking or writing or songwriting for other people or all of those things. Uh, it's, uh, it's the one-stop shop for that. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being on. We generally like to do some takeaways. We kind of got it. We get away from that kind of, but hey, what are you taking away from the conversation today, Emily? My takeaway is that, uh, the world needs more music like yours. And, and, you know, like I was touching on at the beginning of how it's so important, um, what we feed our, our souls with our spirits, with our minds with, and, um, and to be, to be conscious of that and that, um, yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate your music and I appreciate that you are continuing with doing everything that you are with now kind of reaching out to younger children and to share that same message with everyone, no matter what age bracket um, they're in, because there's so many incredible takeaways from that. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that thanks for the reminder of the power of story and that the story can resonate with any audience. Right. And, mm. and like a lot of times we get stuck in this, I, I've had it actually happen where, where uh, in a corporate environment, you know, they'll I'll get a request to, to, you know, do a certain workshop at a institute coaching skills at a certain level in the organization. And then it's okay. So, and now what are you going to do with the executive group? And I was like, well, the same thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. 
response is often, well, no, no, it, they know this stuff, <laughs> you know, and we're talking about, you know, things like listening, right, uh, to understand, and I, the, the reality is, they, they might not, so why don't we just, what, you know, why do we have to change the content for, you know, because if it's, if it has a classic or timeless theme, it, it should resonate with all audiences, so thanks for that reminder. Um, Jean Viev, over to you to uh, help people know how to subscribe and to check out more of these podcasts and all that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So easiest place is to head to our website, boilingpointpodcast.com. Um, you'll find that we're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, you can subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And on this episode, we'll link back to Dave's previous episode with us. So everybody, if they want to learn about the background of the United Break Gets Tar story uh, in Dave's book, they'll hear about it there. Uh, and make sure you subscribe, like, and share everything. Perfect. Thanks, Emily, for co-hosting. Thank you. Many thanks, Dave. And uh, we'll see everyone next, I guess, two weeks from now on The Boiling Point. Now go listen to the song, Are You Ready? <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Boiling Point Podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite listening platform. To find out more, head to our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. You can connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. To find out more about Dave Vale's work, head over to visioncoachinginc.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out our next conversation. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>